you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I'm here on this Super Bowl Sunday with my right hand man, Matt Hartwell. Uh, Matt, I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump right in, man. Who who you got tonight for the Super Bowl? Ah, it's such a toughie, dude. But um, I think I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I think they've got it. I I I like the Eagles quite a bit. I had uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, Devontae on my uh, fantasy team this year, and they were both studs for me all year long. So. I'd like to probably see the Eagles pull it out, you know, but uh, I think the Chiefs will get this one. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, so I am just thinking this is going to be a classic Super Bowl. Just ba- based on the matchup, the talent, the players, the quarterbacks, like I, I think we're going to see a, a classic Super Bowl. I'm ho- I'm hoping. Uh, we're in an in- interesting position here talking about it because we're recording this on a su- on Sunday morning, and by the time anybody listens to this, they're all going to know what happened. So I'm going to put myself out on a limb here and be super vulnerable with my prediction. I'm going to get very specific. I'm going Chiefs 33, Eagles 30. Patrick Mahomes will uh, you know, have a, a two-minute drill drive to, to win the game at the end. And uh, I'm a huge... Jalen Hurts fan, and I'm a huge Patrick Mahomes fan. I just like really dynamic, strong quarterbacks. But, and I'm not wishing anything bad on Patrick Mahomes. I'm not. I would never want anybody to get hurt. But if Chad Henney gets in this game, I'm going to lose my mind, dude. Like, if Chad Henney takes a snap in the Super Bowl, I'm going to lose it. And so part of me is like, I don't want Mahomes to get hurt, but maybe you know maybe he just has to go back to the locker room for a series. Like I just I just want I want Henny to get himself a touchdown. Anything is possible, right? I mean, uh, I just love the whole aura of Twitter whenever Henny gets in the game, you know, or just social media in general. If you're a part of Michigan social media nation, but like everyone is just all in on Chad Henney anytime he gets an opportunity to get into the game and uh, I'm here for it. So hopefully uh, they've, they, who knows, maybe they've got a, a Henny package reserved in the tank. He's a hell of a QB. He's done some things. Yeah. Uh-huh. You never know what he could do. Just a little Travis Kelsey end around pass to Chad Henney streaking down the field. Um, yeah. If Andy Reid does that, he'll probably get fired. But anyway, um, I, oh, actually, let's before I move on from the Super Bowl, let's just mention uh, Brandon Graham is likely going to, you know, get in and do a lot of great things. And then uh, Frank Clark as well. I mean, I, I believe both guys are healthy, so I, we're going to see a lot of them. And then I know Mike Dana is on the, the Chiefs as well. So there's, you know, as with most Super Bowls, there is a Michigan fingerprint all over it. So um, looking forward to that, looking forward to the commercials, looking forward to the halftime show, looking forward to the food that I'll be consuming while while watching the Super Bowl, the whole the whole shebang, right? This is like a, a national holiday, and I will never understand why, as Americans, we are expected to go to work the day after the Super Bowl, but but whatever. We'll just we'll just move past that. Um we got a great show for everybody. We're gonna do something fun. You know, I think you and I, as true sports fans, we just love lists. We love making lists. We love debating lists. We love talking about lists. Last week, we uh, the Tom Brady retirement took us on a uh, a tangent uh, about the greatest athletes of all time, and and that was fun. And so today, we're gonna we're gonna talk about something a little more Michigan specific. We're we're going to list our top ten. Michigan moments, most memorable Michigan moments in our lifetimes. Um, but before we get to that, we almost have an obligation to touch on the sport that's happening, unfortunately, um, the basketball team. Michigan basketball is playing better, much better. And actually, they played pretty well yesterday. 
they, they had constructed a three-game winning streak. Joe Lenardi had finally moved them into, like, one of the teams that he's considering, right? He, 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 they weren't even in, like, the first four out or next four out, but it, Joe Lenardi's like, okay, I'm considering Michigan. And then if they would have beat this Indiana team, who is currently projected as a four seed, number 18 in the country, um, a team that they really should have beaten at home, uh, Michigan would have been firmly in the discussion, like right there on the bubble. Well, as Michigan Nation and, and Michigan fans everywhere saw, uh, we got out to an 11-point lead. Uh, things were going well. Everything was uh, looking like a Michigan victory. We were absolutely, um, you know, we had we had the lead basically the whole game, and then. Late in the second half, we just kind of we just kind of rolled over. There was there was zero points scored by the Michigan team after the five minute nineteen second mark in the second half. Uh, let me get just your quick. Uh, we'll be quick about this because it's so depressing to talk about Michigan basketball right now. But what what is your inclination of, of what's going on with Michigan and and uh, this team has kind of a. Uh, they're very skilled at losing games down the stretch, aren't they? Like it's this is like the the number one skill of this team is losing games they should win. Yeah, certainly. You know, I mean, it's almost uh, uh, kind of a broken record at this point. In the second half, Michigan does everything that they can to uh, to lose the game. Charlie, sorry, dog barking. Even your dog, even your dog can't. Even my dog can't even bear the thought of the game last night. But, you know, they did a lot of things right in that first half, generated a lot of steals. They were playing some defense early on in that first half, uh, slipped a little bit in the second half, allowed Indiana to creep back into the game, and uh, unfortunately was not able to get the job done, as is most the case in a lot of these close games, close big games that they've played over the stretch this season. So, uh, yeah, I you mean, know, I, I'm not really sure what to say. They're still going to get a crack at it, Mike, you know, uh, against Indiana again, and then against Rutgers. Uh, they'll have another matchup against Michigan State. So this team will have some more, a few more opportunities to, uh, to, to do some things here. But I don't know, man. Sad state of affairs. Yeah, it's, you know, there's some quad one wins left on the schedule, so certainly, certainly uh, some opportunities to make a statement. But that I mean, that is what we've been saying this whole time, and what's been happening is they've been falling short. The Iowa game was one of the most miserable losses I've ever experienced. The way that they lost that, um, the fact that they managed to lose to Central Michigan late in the game, uh, they had they've had games like Kentucky, North Carolina, Michigan State, Purdue. All games that were very winnable down the stretch. All games that they managed to lose. And then in this one, they're in the double bonus with the lead with five minutes to go. And they don't manage to score a single point. I mean, that it, it's kind of unbelievable. And don't get me wrong. I actually love the way they've been playing. And I loved most of what they did last night. But how do you not get the ball to the big man down low on that final possession? You're in double bonus, and you you've got a, a big guy that can score uh, with the best of them in the country, and the possibility of taking a foul. If Hunter Dickinson goes to the line with two shots, he's definitely making one, probably making two, and you're winning that game. So, all right, you know I, I'm still a supporter of of Juwan. I'm a supporter of the team, and I love Michigan basketball. But my God, that's de- it's so depressing at this point. It's it's like how many different ways can you find to lose a game late? Uh, I'm just hoping something will turn around. Uh, maybe a Big Ten tournament run, or maybe a winning streak to end the season. But there, a lot of these games are on the road. It's it's not looking great. So. Uh, we'll just sit back, relax, and and watch some basketball. And honestly, I mean, here's like my take on it at this point because it's becoming such a broken record of like, well, this team's going to get like another chance. They're going to have another chance. They're going to have another chance. But it's like, if we can't win, the like, what's the point of even getting in the tournament? You know what I mean? If they're just, I mean, I hate saying that, but if uh, 
if they manage to backdoor their way into the tournament just off of like a little bit of favoritism or something like that, I mean, what's what have we really accomplished just to lose another close one against another good basketball team, you know? So I need to see like some wins out of this basketball team and I need to see the, some clutch closing of some games in order to be uh, to have my optimism back at optimal peak. I'm going to hit you with a An impromptu pump the brakes. I don't care if we lose the rest of the games in the regular season. If we sneak our way into the tournament and the you know by winning the Big Ten tournament, I'll take it because you never know what's going to happen in March. So uh, you know, I I absolutely no matter how bad things get, will always want to sneak in the tournament because you just never know. You never know if if you're going to go on a run. So anyway, we'll, we'll you know we'll see. We've got some opportunities coming up in basketball, but. Let's move on to the meat and potatoes of the show. What I am most excited about, um, this was your idea, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I, if I miss anything here, but the premise that you outlined was the most memorable Michigan moments of our lifetime, right? Yes, correct. And so the way I interpreted that is like memorable. I have to be able to remember it live. Like for, for me, this is for my list. So I interpreted it like, uh, was I technically alive when Glenn Rice uh, dominated the tournament? Yeah. I mean, I was born in 87 and he did that in 89. So that was in my life. But I don't remember that. Um, and if I'm being really honest, uh, I'm of the age where I kind of remember the Fab Five, but not really at Michigan. I, I Like, I remember them all. Uh, I was a big C-Web and Jalen Rose guy in the pros, of course, followed Jawan. And so for me, this list starts right around 1995 because I was about eight years old in 1995. And like, that's about where my like vivid memories of Michigan begin. And so I'm excited to to share some of, of mine. I I didn't go with all the classic, most predictable ones because I wanted to mix it up just a little bit. So I've got a few of those on there, but I I also went with some that just I felt like needed to be mentioned. And so, uh, you know, I have about 20 uh, because this when when you when you told me this and like almost immediately I had like a list of like 20. And so if you don't mention some of my honorable mentions, I'll bring them up at the end. But I left some of the most obvious ones off of the list to make room for some that I just felt like we should talk about. Um, but what you know? What about you? How did you interpret like like uh, concocting your list? Is is your timeline about the same as mine? I forget. I forget exactly how old you are, so I don't know how far back you remember. It's very similar, and uh, and you are completely correct in the ideas that I had for the list to begin with, which was that. It just needs to be moments that you've witnessed that, you know, you can remember particularly like where you were in that moment, like what you were thinking, what it meant for Michigan football. Uh, you know, you see these clips floating around on social media all the time. You probably share them occasionally yourself. Big Michigan moments, right? Like, but uh, but how deep does it go? Where were you? Like, like, to be honest, just like yourself, I'm. I'm uh I was born 1990 and I didn't really particularly start getting in, interested in Michigan football until like around 12 years old. You know what I mean? So it's a very like honest list for me as for like moments that uh that I've witnessed. I was more of a hockey guy from like ages uh 8 to to 12. I actually played for a little bit but uh before eventually uh, opening up my sports interest to other sports, but uh, yeah, so it's strictly just moments that mean the most to you as a Michigan fan that you've witnessed that will just never go away in your lifetime uh, and just, are just forever burned in your memory, basically. Well, and now I'm really excited because now that you said you were born in 1990 and yours kind of date back to when you were about 12 years old. I've got a couple, especially actually early on in my list that I'm going to share. I, I might be able to school you on a couple. You know, I might be there. Might be a couple that you have to go back and look up and and watch the highlights of. So that that excites me. Um, 
I tell you, you what, honestly let, probably will because like Charles Woodson type moments, like those are not on my list, you know what I mean? Because like I, I can look back and reflect on highlights and things of that nature, but like I can't sit here and honestly say like uh, I I was a mi- huge Michigan football fan for that 97 uh, team and all of those moments and stuff like that. So I'm not going to like blow smoke up any other Michigan fans ass or anything like that. Like these are my moments. You'll have yours and, and uh, let's hear it. Oh, that's great, man. And, and I, you know, I feel sadness for you that you weren't along for the ride in 97, but I happen to know you were present for one that I, that I believe will be very high on your list. And so you, you will always have that. Um, Let's jump right in. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start. Because I want you to have the last say on number one. Um, number 10 on my list of the most 10 memorable moments in Michigan history actually goes to a guy named John Navarre. John Navarre is one of the most slept on quarterbacks in Michigan history. Big dude, tall dude, strong arm, a uh, lot of touchdowns, a lot of yards. And, uh, you know, he was kind of slow, kind of clunky, uh, uh, didn't always. Uh, make the most spectacular plays, but in 2003, there was a top 20 matchup between John Navarre's Michigan Wolverines and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Minnesota dominated the first three quarters. Michigan was down 28-7 to in the fourth. And Minnesota actually scored another touchdown in the midst of the fourth quarter. So uh, John Navarre actually strung off a comeback scoring 31 points in the fourth quarter. Think about that for a second. Uh, the, game, the game was not even, this is 2003, so the game had not gotten to the, the Joe Burrow-esque sling it around the field kind of style that it is today. John Navarre led the Wolverines to 31 straight points to win the game 38-35 to against Minnesota. That is my number 10 moment and I, I vividly remember watching it with my dad which of course makes it even more special and so um yeah that's there's number 10 hell yeah buddy i love it and you are schooling me a little bit you know so uh love that my number Wait. 10 oh, go i was gonna say i was gonna say i bet most people listening to the podcast or at least a good portion don't remember that moment that that's why i added it because uh if you're a michigan fan Go back and learn about that and watch a little bit about this comeback. It was, I think, to, I think it's still the biggest comeback in Michigan history. Um, it's an, it, just an absolute masterpiece by John Navarre. Love it. For mine, I went a little bit more mainstream for my number 10 pick. You know, I thought more lower on the list with this one, but I went with the iconic 79-yard touchdown pass from Shea Patterson to Donovan Peoples-Jones, ending with him striking the Paul Bunyan pose in the end zone. You know, just it's one of those moments where it it was honestly the game-winning play. It turned out to be the game-winning points that were scored, uh, I believe, as as Michigan State. We were tied with them at the time, 7-7 at the time of the pass. And then we pulled away by a couple by a couple touchdowns by the end of the game, but it was a huge atmosphere, you know. I don't know if uh, if you recall much more than the moment to the game itself, but it was a top twenty five matchup on the road. I know Michigan State was a little bit lower in that top twenty five, but there was a huge narrative around about how uh, this team Harbaugh couldn't win big games on the road, couldn't win ranked matchups on the road. And couldn't beat their rivals, you know. So it, uh, while it's a very recent moment, I wanted to have it on that list because it's just one of those plays, one of those sports Michigan moments that just forever uh, hangs in my memories as as uh, one of the great Michigan moments. You really can't think about iconic Michigan football moments without the DPJ Paul Bunyan pose. I'm so glad you put it on your list because I. I purposely left it off my list. It's one of that's one of my uh, honorable mentions there that I thought you might touch on, and so so glad that you said that. Uh, coming in at number nine, I also have a, a wide receiver moment, and it's not one that most people would think of. Uh, 
you know, there's there's moments in magnitude, like what what it meant for the sport, what it went, what it meant for Michigan, and then there's just moments that are like, oh my god, that was a spectacular play, right? It's just like it doesn't it doesn't really have a big impact on the whole season, but my god, what a spectacular play! And in 2001, an amazing wide receiver by the name of Marquise Walker went up against Iowa in the corner of the end zone and made what I still believe is one, it, it, it's the, the best offensive catch. I say offensive because we've, we've been blessed with some pretty good uh, interceptions at Michigan, but it's the best offensive catch in the history of Michigan football. Anybody listening, if you haven't seen the Mar- Marquise Walker catch in the corner of the end zone uh, against Iowa, go look it up, check it out. One-handed snag. Uh, fingertip, just uh, just spectacular. So th- that's number nine for me. Hell yeah, buddy. I love it. And we're just going to keep rolling on with the wide receivers with uh, my number nine pick. And uh, and for number nine, it honestly isn't the, the standout guy who you would expect from this game. I went with 2004 uh, Michigan versus Michigan State. And uh, and it's not Braylon Edwards, it's Jason Avant with uh, with that catch in the corner, man. You know, it's uh, it still lives in my mind, although it was towards the beginning of my football fandom as probably the loud loudest that I've ever heard uh, the big house. Probably not even just that moment, but during the entire game, uh, listening to it on television, you could just hear the big house rocking. Uh, you know, this one's a little bit lower on my list just because I remember Michigan State, uh, they weren't, um, they weren't supposed to hang quite as tough with us in that one. Uh, we were a little bit more heavily favored and, and it went down to the wire. But I mean, as most rivalry matchups often do, uh, but they still pulled it out in dramatic, epic fashion. And to this day, it's one of those, uh, Michigan moments and memories that just live on. And uh, will forever just uh, remind me of how we shit on Sparty on a daily basis. Man, that is such a good pick. That that didn't even it didn't even cross my mind when I was thinking about these. But it's like it, you know we could do a top one hundred list one of these days, maybe. Because while you were talking, I I just added another one to my honorable mention. I was like, oh crap, I forgot about this one. So I'll bring it up at the end if it if it isn't uh, brought up. But. uh all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it to a, you know I, I hit you with a, a 2001, I hit you with the 2003. I'm gonna make it a little bit more current, a little bit. This is one this is one you're gonna remember for sure. This is 2009, right? And we're playing in against Western Michigan, and our starting quarterback is Tate Forcier, right? And then along comes in this other top recruit at quarterback that Michigan had and everybody knew he was fast and everybody knew he was an athlete and the announcer when you're watching the clip the announcer says this guy Denard Robinson doesn't tie his shoes and the camera zooms in and he's his shoes are untied and you're like what like what do you mean he doesn't tie his shoes like what what is going on here and it's his first play in a Michigan uniform ever he gets the ball and he fumbles it. He puts it on the turf. And you're like, oh my God, here's this freshman. His shoes are untied. He fumbles the ball. It's just sitting in front of him. And if you just pause in that moment in history, the, the, the world of Michigan football was about to change. Because what happened next was so spectacular. Denard Robinson picks the ball up off the turf. He squares up to the Western Michigan defense. And he, he throws a couple masterful jukes in. And then he turns on the burners and and takes off faster than anybody in the history of Michigan football ever has. And it was, I mean, he scores a touchdown. And the and the beginning of the legend of Denard Robinson was born, right? And I I will forever say Denard Robinson is still extremely underrated uh, at Michigan. He's the best offensive player we've ever had. I know that's a bold statement, but it's true. He's the best offensive player that we've ever had. And if he would have had any kind of defense during his four years with us, he would have won the Heisman and probably would have won a natty. Uh, Shoelace, 
was spectacular. Do you remember that? Do you remember that first carry? Hell yeah, I remember that first carry. So much so that I had it one spot higher on my list uh, upcoming. So uh, (laughs) this is one way to shorten the show up a little bit, right? Because we will (laughs) inevitably run into some of our own picks. So, But it kind of leads into my next pick. So uh, at my next pick at number eight, I have Michigan and Denard Robinson defeating Ohio State in 2011. You remember it, Mike. I'm sure it was the first drought, uh, the first very long drought that us Wolverines fans had to endure um, under the the reign of Ohio State for many years. And Denard Robinson, uh, (laughs) as the prophecy stated, Brought us back to uh, the promised land, conquered Ohio State, got us a win. You know, it was a year in which everyone remembers that Ohio State had their uh, their sanctions and and things handed down the year before. But nonetheless, you know, it's it's a W for Michigan against Ohio State. I remember at the end of the game, Denard uh, climbing up on top of the brick wall and just being there with the fans, you know, standing there in my living room. It was a game that I watched like pretty much by myself, I remember. Uh, and uh, it was just it was an amazing sight as a Michigan fan to be able to uh, to witness not just Michigan beating Ohio State for what it had felt like an eternity, but for doing it behind uh, Denard Robinson, because no guy deserved it more than he did for that program. So that one just stands out to me as uh, as my number eight top moment. Okay, so that was your number eight? Yes. All right, go ahead and give us your number seven then, because that was that was my number eight, so I'll, I'll let you go right into your number seven. Well, we swapped then, because uh, I had Dedard Robinson's first touchdown run against Western Michigan as my number seven. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, cool. Yes. Then then I'll go then I'll go with my number seven. This is gonna happen a bu- <laughs> this is gonna happen a bunch when we get towards the top of the list, but I I got you. You had It's all right. Back. We both explained them so wonderfully, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, come on. You gotta have Denard on this list. And actually I've got another Denard moment, but it's not it's not on it's in my honorable mentions. It might be his best moment, actually, but uh we'll talk about that if we get there. Um at number seven, I'm going to the basketball court. And it was just so hard to narrow down all of these Michigan moments that are spectacular. But, you know, there's a there's a few moments that you can pinpoint as a Michigan fan that were just turning points in a program. And in 2018, not long ago, a youngster by the name of Jordan Poole made a shot in the second round of the tournament against Houston that ultimately allowed the team to go on one of the great postseason runs in Michigan history, uh, where they would all they would end up losing in the national championship game. And so, for me, my number seven moment is that Jordan Poole shot uh, buzzer beater. Which I went back and watched this clip, and and I think what's easy to forget is there was a hell of a lot going on. Um, before that, you know, Houston had the lead. They, uh, we fouled them. Then they made some free throws. Then we got the ball back and it it appeared as though we were already on our last possession. And then, and then we missed a shot and Houston got the rebound and it was like, oh, that was our last possession. And we, we had kind of like one of those fouls at the end. We were already down. Uh, then I, I believe Houston, anyway, it made it a two point game. I think Houston missed the free throw that would have iced it, and and then and then Jordan, you know, it was a it was a spectacular moment. So for me, that's number seven. He had, and you know, you honestly can't make this up because uh, at number six, I also have Jordan Poole with the game winner in 2018, and you know, you honestly like couldn't make some shit up like that because it was. Uh, like, I had given up. I was sitting on my couch, you know, it was late as fuck at night. Like, every Michigan fan remembers it like this, because every time I talk to somebody about it, they're like, oh, I woke everybody up in my entire house, you know, uh, because it was late, you know. 
Uh, Houston had that lead. They were already up by two. And then I remember we, we missed the opportunity to, uh, to tie the game, fouled the guy that had hit like nine of 10 free throws on the night or something like that. Only missed one free throw. And, uh, and he missed both of them. Jordan Poole uh, got that opportunity. And, you know, like, it's so comparable to the moment with Trey Burke against Kansas. But, uh, but you know, it's just also just so different because they, we only had, like, 3.9 seconds on the clock. Uh, and it the ball had to go from the opposite end, you know, like it was just quite a series of events. I remember jumping up, banging my hand on the ceiling fan. Uh, and uh, that's what this list is all about. You know, you remember shit like that. Like I remember that I jumped up and hit my hand on the fucking ceiling fan because it's such an amazing moment, you know, uh, something that will never, I don't know if there will ever be between Numbers one through six, I don't know if there will ever be any other Michigan moments that can take the place of some of these. So I don't know, starts, man. That starts right here. That uh, 2023 Jet Howard buzzer beater to take us to the final four is going to be pretty sweet. So I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, I, now we got a bunch of listeners just yelling at me through their speakers. Um, Yeah, you know, it, actually, since this we're kind of doing the most memorable – you know, like, where were you when it happened? I actually remember where I was at when that happened as well. And uh, it was my wife and I's first season watching Michigan basketball together. So she was my girlfriend at the time. And we blew that game, that Houston game. Like, we blew it. And I, I she got to experience the, uh, the dark side of me as a Michigan fan. And then we hit that shot. And I, and, and I went straight, straight the other way. And so... You know, if if uh, if she ever complains about the way I behave during sporting events, you know, I show I showed her very early on what it was like. Right? It's a it's a roller coaster of emotions uh, when stuff like that's going on. So, excellent pick. Um, that was my number seven. You already shared it's your number six. Uh, oh, and your number seven was Denard, right? Yes, Dedard's first touchdown run. All right. Well, then I will jump right into my number six. Yeah, yeah. All right. So number six for me is 2005 Michigan versus Penn State. And there, it was a fourth and four. There was one second left on the clock. Michigan was right around the 10-yard line. Chad Henney had crafted a little bit of a run, got us down there. Um, Literally one second left on the clock, and he finds a streaking Mario Manningham across the middle to win the game right at the end. I mean, to me, there's nothing nothing more fun than a game-winning touchdown pass when the clock strikes zero. And to me, that Henney to Manningham, against Penn State, no less, right? So, like, after after Ohio State, Michigan State, and Notre Dame, like, Penn State's kind of the next, you know, that's it's a very valuable win any season for Michigan. So, um, to me, that was, like, our most memorable kind of game-winning pass right at the end. So, that I went with that in the number six position. Hell, yeah, I love it. And uh, And one thing I also remember about that game is that, like, it was just like you felt I felt like we were about to lose the game. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of like that last drive against TCU this last year. Uh, Michigan was doing like nothing right on that drive to get down the field. Uh, Mike Hart busted a big run, if I'm not mistaken, uh, put us in good position for Henny to throw a dart to Manningham. But, you know, other than that, uh, I think like it was on fourth and one, like you mentioned, uh, one second left. We had just blown a couple plays. We had, we, I remember there were quite a few plays that fell flat on that last drive and just feeling like this game is hopeless. We're not going to win. Uh, it almost could have ended up like that one game where Ronnie Bell dropped the ball in the end zone or something yeah. of that nature. Uh, is, is that, 
is kind of that vibe that it had me under. And uh, and then the dart to Manningham. Michigan was three and three at the time, going up against number eight Penn State. Can't make shit like that up. That one is on my list as well, a little further up. So I'm glad that you mentioned it. <laughs> for myself, for my number five pick, I've got some recency bias here. And uh, I have Mike Sainristill and Mike Barrett planting the flag at the Ohio State 50-yard line following the most recent dub in Ohio State's home stadium. As I mentioned when we were discussing the rules of this, Mike, this can be a Michigan moment. It doesn't have to be a play. doesn't have to be anything like that. Uh, for me, when I think of the most this most recent win against Ohio State in their home stadium, that's just the moment that really kind of I think will forever live in my mind the most. There's just so many plays where we just blew the doors wide open on them, you know. So it's hard for me to narrow it down to uh, to just Donovan Edwards breaking it loose, which time, you know what I mean. <laughs> Or uh, or JJ McCarthy running it into the end zone, or or any of those plays. At the end of the day, for me, it's about those two guys uh, who are very deserving. Michigan Wolverines been with this program a long time. Get to plant that flag uh, in our rivals' home stadium at the fifty. Beautiful moment for me. Well, you know, there's no doubt that the 2022 win against Michigan or against Ohio State for Michigan belongs on this list and so I'm I'm just going to tell you it appears on my list a little bit higher but I picked a different moment I picked an in-game moment and so we'll get there in a second number five I love it number five for me I, I you know I, I couldn't craft this list without talking about Charles Woodson uh Charles Woodson to me is the I mean he's the GOAT He's the he's the guy that sealed the deal for me. It was like after after watching Charles Woodson play, I was destined to be a, a Michigan fan for the rest of my life. Like like I couldn't even choose if I wanted to 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 be a fan of another team after experiencing what Charles Woodson did for the University of Michigan. Now I could go with the rose in the mouth. I could go with uh the punt returns, you know, against Ohio State. Like there's some very iconic Woodson moments but to me the one that I always remember that was like what in the world is even going on who is this guy actually happened a little bit earlier in his career it was the interception along the sideline against Michigan State and the the cameras were not as good back then and so you only have one or two angles of this interception and they're kind of grainy uh, but when you go back and watch this pick that he had against Michigan State, it, he, it's a full extension. He jumps to maybe 12 feet up in the air, gets his fingertips on this ball. Not to mention the Michigan State quarterback, he was trying to throw the ball away. This was a play where the quarterback literally was launching it into the stands. Charles Woodson put on his Superman cape went up, got the ball, and then somehow tapped his toe inbounds for the most spectacular interception in college football history. Odell Beckham Jr.'s got nothing on this Charles Woodson pick. I mean, it was it was masterful. And I'm going to go ahead and throw a little honorable mention in here. It just I'm just going to weave one in here since we're talking about great picks. Um, and hopefully this doesn't steal one of yours. Uh, well, actually, let me ask: Do you have a do you have a great interception left on your list or not? No, you're good. okay. Jordan Lewis against Wisconsin a couple years ago. Like to me, that's one of the great interceptions of all time, too. So just a little a little honorable mention to Jordan Lewis, but nobody did it like the goat did it. Charles Woodson against Michigan State. Absolutely. And I do know uh, that interception that you're referring to, obviously, you know, while I'm not well versed in Michigan lore uh, up to the age of seven for myself, I have uh, have watched all of the clips and well know of all of the legends of Charles Woodson and and all of the plays that uh, that he's made for us in the past. So 
if uh, if I had witnessed it at that age, I'm sure it would certainly be on my list. But at number four, I've got I'm bringing it back to basketball. And I'm sorry if uh, I'm going to steal your thunder. I'm sure you've got it up there on your list. Uh, but Trey Burke, uh, in similar fashion to to what happened with Jordan Poole in 2018, you know, Michigan was down uh, down by three. Kansas, the number one team in the nation, missed, uh, was it one or was it two free throws? Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember that part. I just I just remember we, we were we were I know that there were missed free throws and we got the ball back with under 10 seconds remaining inbound Trey Burke brings it up the court uh stuns Kansas ties the game at uh at 63 I believe it was. They were the number 1 team or they were a number 1 seed. I think we were a number 4 seed. Uh, it was just an epic, epic uh, undertaking by Michigan to be able to knock off Kansas. We would do so in overtime. But uh, for me, I also wasn't like a huge basketball fan uh, prior to prior to a lot of those teams. You know what I mean? So that really helped to kind of just deepen my uh, my love for Michigan basketball and uh, and Trey Burke. You know, just stays undefeated at that. That number uh, four spot for me. Trey, who? I've I've never heard of that guy. Trey, no, no. At number four, I've got the exact same one. Uh, we we put him in the same spot. Uh, Trey Burke, the second best basketball player in the history of Michigan basketball. Um, second only to Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice was the man. He's number one. Um, that shot against Kansas, yeah, it it actually it was in the Sweet Sixteen. And then we went on to beat Florida. Then we went on to beat Syracuse. And then we went on to almost kind of pretty much beat Louisville. Uh, there were so many questionable calls in that Louisville game. Not to mention they later had to forfeit uh, due to some Rick Patino cheating and stuff. So I, that's if, if we ever do a list of the most painful moments of uh, in Michigan history, that national championship will be on there. Um because I still think that 2013 Michigan team was one of the best college basketball teams almost ever. Uh, it just the, the talent was incredible. But yeah, the, the thing that is easy to forget about in this Michigan-Kansas game is uh, Michigan was down 12 points with like two minutes left. Uh, it, so it wasn't just like, oh, you know, like right at the end, Trey Burke hit that one shot. Trey Burke took that freaking game over, man. Like, like Trey Burke threw, I mean, and Trey Burke's a little guy, right? And he just, he threw the team on his back like he so often did. Um, and, 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 you know, crafted a comeback, took it to overtime, won the game. It, it was just, it was just magnificent. And I have a really good friend that's a Kansas basketball fan. And I pretty much bring this up every time we talk and probably will until the day we die because it was just uh up until this moment to me it was the greatest basketball moment um in my lifetime and so i'm hoping one day we can have something better uh but but this is it man it's very similar to the trey burke uh play i agree but uh to me i mean very similar to the i'm sorry jordan pool play but to me trey burke was just a, a better player than pool at Michigan. It was a bigger moment. And that team was just a better team. E even though they both lost in the national championship game. Um, I really think the, the 2018 team kind of had a magical run. They, they had a little bit of an easier ride. Uh, that 2013 team is the best as the best team I remember watching at Michigan. Yeah, certainly. They were destined for greatness and uh, stopped short, you know, over over some questionable things uh, in their time, but certainly made a lot of noise and, and all the respect to them as one of the greatest Michigan teams to ever go down in history. At number three uh, is is one that you already have taken, taken from me, and uh, it was the Mario Manningham touchdown against Penn State 
Uh, just such a big moment for for me as a Michigan football fan to be able to witness that. It's really like one uh, one of the catapulting um, catapulting uh, factors that you know got me into to Michigan football and and made me fall in love with it. You'd think that it would be like some of those dominating victories of us being like one of the top teams in the nation, but for me. Uh, some of those top moments really come down to like underdog stories. You know what I mean? Where you wouldn't expect Michigan to take down some of the teams that it did. And uh, and that's really like what, what makes it for me on some of these plays. Yeah, the end of the Lloyd Carr era was an interesting era because you got Braylon and Mike Hart and Jake Long and, and uh, Chad Henney. And then you had these receivers like Jason Avant and Steve Breston. And, you know, and, like it's just they they never got over the hump and like in like really sealed the deal as the great teams in history but for me when you like when i look back at my michigan football fandom like those were the guys right like being being around our age like man that that was michigan football you know then and so uh i'll always love those moments that those guys had they had a lot of really big moments and then of course you know some you know that I I will not even bring up you know to I don't want to get depressed about some of the moments that they had but um that's a great pick that's a great pick I think that's why we both had it pretty high on our list for me number three I am going to the national champion 1997 Michigan Wolverines and you know this is it it's funny because so I was about ten years old so I I remember the season pretty vividly and I absolutely uh love everything about Charles Woodson and Charles Woodson defined that season you know the first defensive player to win the Heisman he was uh he had all those iconic moments but to me the most memorable moment late in that season was actually not a Charles Woodson related moment and, uh, you know, real Michigan fans that watch that season and remember it will remember there were a few uh, against Ohio State and then in the Rose Bowl against Washington State. There were a few huge Brian Greasy to Ty Streets bombs, right? And uh, people forget about Ty Streets and how good he was as a Michigan receiver. In the Rose Bowl, Michigan was down in the third quarter, 7-13. to 13 about midway through the third, and Greasy launches a 58-yard bomb to Ty Streets to take the lead. And, you know, you could say what you want about Woodson and that team and that defense and how spectacular they were, but Michigan does not win the national championship without Brian Greasy, who was unfairly dubbed as kind of a game manager quarterback. He was much more than a game manager. The dude was a winner, and he hit some very long bombs to tie streets streaking down the field and so for me that's number three uh you know national champs undisputed national champs nebraska cornhuskers can can get the hell out of here uh i'll talk about that on another show but michigan was the national champion that season you know mike i'm feeling like our uh top two picks I think they're probably going to be similar. So uh, I'm going to tell you what mine is right now. And it's one that lives near and dear in the hearts of all Michigan fans, um, especially ones that that have lived a life during uh, you and I's generation, I believe. And uh, and this is like as we've just talked about is not one of those ones where Michigan ended the season being one of the top teams in the nation. Uh, But it's uh, the Michigan matchup against Notre Dame, where one Denard Robinson was the quarterback. The year was 2011. Uh, There was a massive deficit in the fourth quarter in which Denard and company had to lead us back. Uh, Michigan fans hung on by a thread. You know, we watched the whole game with just this. Uh, nothing was going right for three quarters. You know what I mean? Or almost three quarters. Nothing was going right at all. Uh, and then 
a curve just turned and the Michigan team was able to bring us back from the dead. What resulted in Denard Robinson finding Roy Roundtree in the end zone to get that win. Um, it's just something that, you know, aside from another recent game, can never be overtaken as one of the top two Michigan moments in my mind. You know, so I don't have this in in my top two. But if I'm being if I'm being honest, it it's clearly a top five moment. Uh, clearly a top five most memorable moment for me. Um, I left it off on purpose because I knew you were going to say it. And to, to me, my my uh, Denard Robinson like reference was to that first play, and so I kind of I kind of threw his entire career into that first play on this list. But that was one of my honorable mentions. That that if I was like being very very honest about the impact, like yeah, that's right up there near the top. Uh, it's just just great you know and and you know he did so much with his feet during his career but that was that was fun to watch because people forget denard could sling it right like and when you you had some of those roy roundtree jeremy gallon like moments where yeah the dude was just slinging it around the field so that that was spectacular to see and and uh i i can't argue with that at all number two for me is the is the 2022 Michigan Ohio State most recent victory over them? Uh, for me, the moment that I picked was an in-game moment, which I felt like was the turning point. That because to me, the the most memorable moments are like when you go from uh, we might win this to like holy shit, we're gonna win this. And to me, that moment was Mike Sanderstill's pass deflection in the end zone. When he recovered, got his fingertips on the ball and, and deflected that potential touchdown, I was like, holy shit, what a big play. And that, that was when it like clicked on and it was like, like yep, yep, like th- this is going to happen. This is going to happen. We're going to beat him again. And so um, there are so many moments to choose from in that game. I, I immediately think of the pair of Cornelius Johnson receiving touchdowns and then even more so – the pair of Donovan Edwards touchdown runs, uh, but I'm a sucker for Mike Sandra still, and that was that was such a a big moment and one of the best defensive recoveries I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. And if you had to pick a play from that game, certainly uh, I don't know if there's a one better pick individually that you can pick besides uh, Mike Sandra still batting that pass away. In the end zone, it was so poetic, you know what I mean, and uh, it belongs right up there with uh, with some of the the frames that you see of some of the epic games and and moments, whether it be like Desmond Howard doing the Heisman, you know what I mean. Not saying it's quite that iconic, but it's uh, if I had to pull up a picture of that game and just throw it up there, it'd be Mike saying we're still taking that pass away in the end zone. Absolutely. Matt, I think I know where you're going to go with this, and I think I'm going to go in a very similar direction. But what is your number one most memorable Michigan moment in your lifetime? Man, Mike, I mean, the most memorable Michigan moment, I don't know if you can write it up any better, um, you know, after the, the long run of depression that Michigan fans and the program just felt in general um over ohio state it would be the 2021 uh michigan ass whooping in the snow of ohio state you know uh at the beginning of the game snow started to fall uh it just never felt like one of those michigan ohio state games that you were worried about you know which had been the total opposite of every game that we played with them over the last decade, you know, there was just always this overwhelming fear associated with every game. This game wasn't like that. It was very different than than any other Michigan win over Ohio State that I've ever witnessed. And uh, I've never felt like we were going to lose that game from the second that we I mean, from the second that we got out to the start that we got out on where we were hanging with them, we were scoring points. Things were happening defensively. 
Uh, it just was a game that I, as a Michigan fan, was able to enjoy despite all of the rivalry noise, despite everything. It was just an enjoyable football game to watch as a Michigan fan that uh, will forever live on as the top one of the top moments in my life. I put it right up there with my wedding. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. But uh, it's uh, just an amazing, amazing moment that I don't know will ever be overtaken. You know, Matt. I, you know, I was going to say exactly that. I, I hate to say that we won't ever see anything that special again, but I honestly don't know if we're going to experience something quite like that ever again. Now we might win a natty. As in fact. JJ's gonna win a natty next year and so that's going to be special on a different level but the reason that 2021 Michigan versus Ohio State game was so spectacular was we were carrying a decade really two decades of misery and pain and the JT was short and the consecutive losses and the Don Brown defensive schemes and all of all of the every year it was it was like a tradition for Michigan fans to hang on to hope that they might be able to beat Ohio State and then lose in the biggest rivalry of all of sports every single year and that game I've never been so engaged with every play I've never been so enthralled by the poetic or you know artistry that god blessed us with on that beautiful day the snow was falling cj stroud was in it just looking like a punk the whole game uh hassan haskins was uh just a, a man amongst boys and of course the edge rushers aiden hutchinson breaks the sack record gus johnson calls oh ja bo at the end of the game you know there was just so much in that that was so special and for a Michigan fan, it was just amazing. And I remember watching it uh, with my wife. It was my first game uh, after my dad's passing, uh, first Michigan-Ohio State game after my dad's passing. But I felt like he was there. I felt like he was in the stadium, like he was having an impact. And so, of course, my number one most memorable moment is also from that game. Uh, you could pick any of the moments I just mentioned. But for me, I think the the single play that kind of embodies what that game was. It was like it kind of epitomized that game was the Hassan Haskins hurdle, right? When he jumped over the Ohio State defender. And, and the reason why is is uh, it felt like Haskins had carried the ball made like a hundred consecutive times before that play. And you're thinking like, how does anybody on that field have any energy left? And of, of anybody on that field, the one guy that should just be dead at this point is Hassan Haskins. And you could just feel the 110,000 people in that stadium and the millions of Michigan fans across the country just like pumping their energy into this guy. And he, out of nowhere, hurdles a, you know, an Ohio State defender, and we go on to just dominate that game 42-27. to 27. All-time greatest moment in Michigan sports history, without a doubt. And just the the atmosphere of the stadium, you know, they just uh, the the pump it up, you know, like I know videos circulate of like pump it up, but like it was incessantly annoying to the point where we were blasting it at those Ohio State players whenever like anything would go our way, which was the whole game. They just play pump it up and it was just had this like I, I don't know if it will ever if that song will ever have the type of effect it had in any other game the way that it had in that game but uh like just the atmosphere I remember my uh, brother-in-law had come with us to the game but he bought a ticket in a different row he snuck up to our row crammed into our row but it didn't even matter because everyone was standing up the entire time. Nobody ever sat down. And uh, it was like, still, even though the dude next to him and the dude next to us was like, was like crammed, 
we were just still high-fiving and cheering and like it didn't even matter like they didn't care that this dude didn't have a seat to sit in that was in our row it was just all about michigan and kicking ohio state's ass so yeah it was truly a transcendent it was a transcendent moment in sports and and amongst michigan fans and and uh i'm so jealous that you got to be there in the stadium um but i can tell you i can tell you that for a lifelong michigan fan the energy around the world was there it was it was electric right like a very very few times in your life do you get to experience uh a fan base connected in the way that michigan was connected for that game and and you know to be honest I don't think we have the the 2022 Michigan Wolverines. All right, yeah, the 2022 Michigan Wolverines without the 2021 uh, win against Ohio State. I think it really changed the direction of our program in its entirety. And, and guys like Jim Harbaugh and JJ McCarthy and the recruits that are signing now, like all of it hinged on that game and that moment. So, uh, Oh my God, we could go on and on about that, but it was it was so special. And um, just the comment on the Hassan Haskins hurdle that you mentioned. I mean, the way that his nutsack just so eloquently glided like over that Ohio State DB's back while he was hurdling him. It's just everything, you know. I mean, all the best play, <laughs> all the best plays in sports uh, have a nutsack dragging across another dude at some point in the play. So I, it I'm was glad, just I'm everything. glad you called that out. It's like the Vince Car- <laughs> Vince Carter jumping over the seven footer. Like, yeah, Hassan has like, mm, that was my uh, skid mark taste. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think we've exhausted that conversation now. I think that's our sign to move on. Um, I, I mean that was an excellent list. Well, let's brainstorm some other lists to do uh, for future episodes because it's a lot of fun. It's football off season, so we can dig into this. Uh, before we wrap up, I did want to just mention uh, some recruiting news. A 2025 four star, highly ranked four star, I should say, because sometimes these four stars are, uh, you know, almost like three stars. And then some of these four stars are almost like five stars, right? Like they're like high end four stars, uh, are, you know, are, are a little different. Well, we got this guy, Montrez Walker, who in the 2025 class, he just committed to Michigan. He's the top linebacker in the state of Georgia. And to me, that, that says a lot about what Michigan is currently doing, right? Because you've got the, 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 two-time defending national champs, Georgia Bulldogs, uh, with, you know, they had some linebackers like N'Kobe Dean and some, like, guys that are going to the NFL. And Michigan was able to go in and steal one. Um, You know, I've never seen this guy play. I'm not going to pretend like I'm watching film on 2025, like, linebackers. But uh, just based on the rankings, this seems like a significant pickup. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and one thing that's just remaining clear is that Michigan is playing a longer game than a lot of these other schools, you know, and some of the fan base, they're not giving them enough credit, you know, because Michigan, I don't think they're trying to scoop up on their recent success to land guys in in this upcoming class, you know, that had just recently uh, passed for National Signing Day. I don't think that that was their target. I think that they're aiming a little bit farther beyond. You can already see in 2024, their recruiting class is looking stacked yeah, uh, with nothing but four stars, you know, fringe five stars, I'm sure, because, you know, there's still time to go with a lot of these rankings. 2025 rankings haven't even really come out yet for a lot of the recruiting service sites. So we're going to see Montrez Walker, a lot of these guys that Michigan is targeting later on down the road start to develop into even better players that are going to be garnering more attention. You know, Montrez Walker, he had Ohio uh, offers from Ohio State, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, who's pulling some big money recruits lately. You know what I mean? So Michigan is doing some things right, and they're bringing in a good uh, a good character of player with each pickup that they're making, I believe. A lot of these guys being very forthright about her- how they're ready to come in, bleeding maize and blue. 
Uh, they're not being shy about their love for Michigan, which you love to see. You know what I mean? I don't want to see um, Nicholas Harbor comes to Michigan and gets a fat bag. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool and all, but like, I want to know, does he love Michigan? Is he going to stay after next year? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, it would be great to land some of those big fishes that that we always love to get. But if they don't want to come to Michigan, then screw them. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I'm not going to lie. It would be nice to cap off a couple of these classes with a a five-star or two. I feel like that's kind of what... Michigan has been missing, but we have this grace period. We have a very brief grace period because we're returning what I think is the most talented team in the country next year. And so uh, you mentioned the 2024 class. Well, it's currently ranked in the top five. And I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to sit here and celebrate this early. It's very early for that class. And uh, we saw Sparty celebrating a good recruiting class early and then dogging on ours. And we saw how, Things kind can kind of even out over a long period of time. But this is what you want to see, right? If you're a Michigan fan, you've got Georgia number one, Notre Dame number two, LSU number three, Florida State number four, Michigan number five. And so the way we've been performing, like that's what you want. You want to be right up in the top five of the recruiting classes. You want to be up there with the big boys competing for the best players in the country. And that's what we're doing. And if J.J., and this uh, 2023 squad can go win us a natty, we're not going to have any trouble with, with the way the transfer portal is nowadays and the, the recruiting classes that we've already put together. Uh, Michigan is is going to be just fine. So looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to a Super Bowl today. We will see. Will it be Jalen Hurts and the Eagles? Will it be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Which Kelsey brother will be able to – We'll be able to brag it up, uh, you know, in their sibling rivalry. We'll we'll find out later tonight. Uh, Matt, any any closing comments? I don't think so, man. I'm excited to get uh, get on this Super Bowl and see which Michigan Wolverine comes away with the dub. And how can people follow you if they're looking to get more involved? They can follow me on my main Twitter handle at Maze Crusader or uh, any of the stuff that we're tweeting over at Maze and Brew um, on any of our social media. You can find us at Maze and Brew. And you can find me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. Um, I never really mentioned this, but I, I leave the DMs open on Twitter. And if there's anybody listening that wants to uh, ask us any questions or think that they have something interesting to share on the pod, uh, reach out, man. We're, we're always interacting with people. If you're a Michigan fan or if you, if you work in sports media and you want to connect, uh, you know, hit me up on, on Twitter and we'll work that out. And then I've also got, uh, our website, wolverinechronicle.com. And, uh, there's a YouTube channel and some other stuff people can find out there. But, uh, if you've gotten this far in the episode, it means you are probably as crazy as we are about Michigan sports. So don't forget to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, We'll be back next week with some more amazing content. You guys be safe. Don't drink too much watching the Super Bowl. And uh, don't drive if you do drink too much. Um, And as always, go blue. Go blue.